1: Dylan was, he was a revolutionary, man. The way that, the way that Elvis freed your body, Bob freed your mind.
0: This is Bob Dylan, about man, and God,
1: and law. And how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you in one word. Tradition. 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 Tradition 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 Tradition
0: Tradition Tradition is the vessel that holds past, present, and future, compelling time forward but also anchoring it in what came before. The great culture makers and artists know tradition like the backs of their own hands. In episode two, The Art of Memory, we learned how Bob Dylan mastered the memorial art of past, present, and future by setting down roots in ancient Greece and how in this context, learning, storing, and teaching tradition is really all the same thing. What you know, what you carry, and what you teach, well, That's who and what you are. Now, the responsibility for becoming the kind of self who not only carries tradition, but actually embodies the tradition one carries, is, of course, the responsibility of the artist, the intellect, the philosopher, the holy man, or the musician who is called to the task. But there is always at least one other someone upon whom this work depends— the teacher. One of the teachers Dylan has acknowledged most publicly happens to come from the very same Russian Jewish American stock that brought the world Tevya, that Lantzman talking about tradition and balance who becomes a universal symbol for a nostalgic sense of a particular kind of tradition in America and around the world. Blood on the tracks, Dylan said of what some call his greatest album, did consciously what I used to do unconsciously. I knew how to do it because of the technique I learned. I actually had a teacher for it. That teacher was Norman Rabin the son of Shalom Aleichem, the Yiddish writer whose stories about Tevye the Dairyman inspired one of Broadway's most beloved musicals, Fiddler on the Roof, Fiddler on the Roof, which Philip Roth labeled Shtetl Kitsch and Mark Chagall, whose painting of the green violinist inspired the musical's title but didn't really like the show, promoted a sensibility that is all but opposite of Raven's, a painter who Dylan stumbled upon near the roof of Carnegie Hall on the 11th floor, the top of a building where Dylan had performed in what was billed as his first New York City concert, organized by promoter Izzy Young some 13 years before. For an intensive two-month period in 1974, Dylan was the rock star fiddler on the roof of Carnegie Hall, studying painting. The teacher, he says, changed his life. As Dylan describes it, he says, you want to paint, so I said, well, I was thinking about it you know he said well I don't know if you even deserve to be here let me see what you can do so he put this vase in front of me and he says you see this vase and he put it there for 30 seconds or so and then he took it away and he said draw it well I mean I started drawing it and I couldn't remember shit about that vase I'd looked at it but I didn't see it and he took a look at what I drew and he said okay you can be up here and he told me 13 paints to get Well, I hadn't gone up there to paint. I'd just gone up there to see what was going on. I wound up staying there for maybe two months. This guy was amazing. According to one of his most devoted students, Carolyn Schlamm, a painter now living in LA whose easel stood next to Dylan's, Rabin had a wide array of traditions that he imposed upon his pupils. Fittingly, they are shared in a traditional form, the form of the 10 Commandments. Number one, Inspiration does not last, stop in time. Two, forget your likes and dislikes. Three, if it's not difficult, it's not worthwhile. Four, you must be completely discouraged before you can progress. Five, never examine your reason for painting. The answer can only be found in your work by others. Six, never paint with your mind. Never paint with your feelings. Paint and draw only what your eye wants. Seven, don't be an art critic before you're an artist. Eight. It's better to be stupid than phony, nine, say one thing but make the most of it, and ten, never worry how it looks. Unsentimental and completely focused on the present moment of the eye. That's P Y E. You've already heard that for Dylan, a result of Raven's tutelage was blood on the tracks, one of his most lush, emotional landscapes awash with color, formed at a time of deep personal crisis, so much so that his new creative point of view made it so that, according to Dylan, his own wife Sarah could no longer understand him. one who didn't follow leaders, who smashed the parking meters, who scattered the traditions of pop songs in a thousand different directions, and who has shape-shifted often as a musician, not to mention as a painter, writer, DJ, and sculptor as well. Dylan's admiration and allegiance to his teachers and their traditions, and then his ability to go his own way far beyond them, this forms the essence of his EYE and his I as a creator. What we learn, how we learn, who we learn with, this is how we discover the world and our voice in it and become whoever I is. It's not just about how we fit into tradition, it's how we become it. And for the great ones, it's about how, like an alchemist, we transform teacher and teachings and tradition into something new. So, get your hands out from under your desk where we can see them and Get your pens and notebooks ready. We don't offer grades here, not credit, not even pass, fail, because we learned in the syllabus for Episode 5 on Love that there's no success like failure, and failure's no success at all. I'm Stephen Daniel Arnoff. Open your textbooks to Episode 6. And welcome to Bob Dylan, about man and God and law, teachers be this way, everywhere. And where do you look for this hope that you're seeking? Where do you look for this lamp that's burning? Where do you look for this oil well gushing? Where do you look for this candle that's glowing? Where do you look for this hope that you know is there and out there somewhere? And your feet can only walk down two kinds of roads. Your eyes can only look through two kinds of windows. Your nose can only smell two kinds of hallways. You can touch and twist and turn two kinds of doorknobs. You can either go to the church of your choice or you go to Brooklyn State Hospital. You find God in the church of your choice... You find Woody Guthrie in Brooklyn State Hospital. and know it's only my opinion. I may be right or wrong. You find them both in Grand Canyon Sundown. It was Woody Guthrie to whom Bob Dylan made pilgrimages as Guthrie lay in a hospital bed dying of ALS, Dylan playing him songs, a lot of them Woody's own songs, Dylan picking up and giving back tradition at the bedside of a formative, musical mentor during his early days in New York City. Dylan had already adopted Guthrie's vocal style and talking blues tropes and had fashioned a kind of personal creation myth in which he had been a rounder, a hobo, a runaway in the sooty boxcars and on the dusty highways of mythic America. Dylan didn't just learn from Guthrie. He imagined himself entering his hard-traveling world completely.
1: Hey, hey, Woody Guthrie, I wrote you a song Had a funny old world that's a-comin' along. Seems sick and it's hungry, it's tired and it's torn. It looks like it's a-dying
0: and it's hardly been born. Guthrie is a hero, a character to become a role model, a fantasy, and also, quite literally, a force of nature. He's the grand canyon for which there may be no more poignant symbol of the sheer vastness and possibility of America. Infinitely more powerful than that small dying man in a sanitarium in New Jersey. His frail body held something transcendent, an endless palette to return to our painting metaphor, with which Dylan could color himself and the world. And here's the thing about great teachers of great students. There's no limit to the desire and hunger for discovery and identity that the student places upon the teacher. Inhabiting a teacher's space of possibility, especially when young, means escaping one's own limitations. It's a new womb, but a womb by choice, a creative womb in which to process and gestate and integrate oneself until an extension of that teacher is born and also in a process that can be a bit creepy and insidious at times. The student sucks up all that was the teacher's own, and owns it. Discipleship. Learning from a master or guru to whom willing students give her or himself over is a hallmark of religious traditions. Jesus had his disciples, so did Socrates, and the Maharishi, and Jim Jones, and the lazy fake-it-till-you-break-it manipulators of QAnon. Loving teachers. Hateful teachers. We love to play follow the leader. Students are feeders. Students are breeders. Now, it's funny that George Harrison remembered as perhaps the rock and roll seeker with the longest rock and roll spiritual CV in the West about the East. George Harrison played along with Dylan on Dylan's own critique of guru hunting. Yet Dylan praises his mentors and teachers throughout his work and throughout his career with an enthusiasm unmatched about any other topic. His acceptance speech for the Nobel Prize for Literature was, above all, a loving student's litany of appreciation for literary heroes, devoid of cynicism, overflowing with gratitude. When I received the Nobel Prize for Literature, I got to wondering exactly how my songs related to literature. I wanted to reflect on it and see where the connection was. I'm going to try to articulate that to you and most likely it will go in a roundabout
1: way. But I hope what I say will be worthwhile and purposeful. If I was to go back to the dawning of it all, I
0: guess I'd have to start with Buddy Holly. I'm going to tell you how it's going to be. Buddy Holly is the first artist to be praised here. An unlikely honor for the Nobel stage, but this is Dylan's speech, so Buddy Holly is first on the agenda. But then we hear the tales of Moby Dick, all quiet on the Western Front and the Odyssey. Dylan makes a claim for himself as a traditionalist, a kind of vessel for all he's learned from other masters, a transmitter of tradition. Link in the Chain. Yes, Dylan has made what seem to be some surprising calls when it comes to parking meters and leaders. The intensity and extremity of his entry into the Vineyard Fellowship, for example. Jesus' freak flag a-flying... Witnessed by the ferocity of those on stage Jesus raps we sampled in episode 4 before the law. These are frightening in their surety about a single truth, a single teacher, even if the music generates many gems. And Dylan's foray into the realm of Chabad Lubavitch Hasidism. Jewish tradition on the fringes carries its own lines of extremity. We happen to love and appreciate much about Chabad, the social vision of the Rebbe, focus on nurturing a unique, value for every soul and on leaving the world more compassionate and kind than the way we found it, but it's still a kind of fundamentalism, and fundamentalism we fundamentally deny. In the end, the trust of a disciple, the trust that a disciple places in a teacher, it exposes that student to be fully engulfed in all that the teacher knows and does and sees, like a long wandering in the Grand Canyon. requires a kind of faith in another person that transcends what perhaps anyone can give even a parent well um yeah. Well, my daddy, he didn't leave me too much. You know, he was a very simple man, and uh, he didn't leave me a lot. But what he told me was this. He did say, son, he said... Uh... He said so many things, you know. <laughs> He said, You know, it's possible to become so defiled in this world that your own mother and father will abandon you. And if that happens, God will always believe in your own ability to mend your own ways. Thank you. So there's the mercy of the divine teacher that surpasses even a parent's love. And yet, for Dylan, there do seem to be certain teachers who raise up the possibility of the master and guide to a level that is nearly divine. Of Johnny Cash, Bob Dylan said, In plain terms, Johnny was and is the North Star.
1: Come along and ride this train. Guide your
0: ship, by him. the greatest of the greats then and now. Truly is what the land and country is all about, the heart and soul of it personified and what it means to be here. And he said it all in plain English. I think we can have recollections of him but we can't really define him any more than we can define a mountain of truth, light and beauty. If we want to know what it means to be mortal, (laughs) we need to look no further than the man in black, blessed with a profound imagination. He used the gift to express all the various lost causes of the human soul. This is a miraculous and humbling thing. Listen to him. He always brings you to your senses. He rises above it all, and he'll never die or be forgotten, even by persons not born yet, especially by those persons. And that's forever.
1: It's a beautiful, spacious sky. The amber waves of grain, the purple majestic mountains above the fruited plain. In the sunny days of winter snow, from Arizona sand to Cherokee, North Carolina, to Tarpon Springs, Florida. America, it's time to be refreshed, recalled a memory. Did not God shed His grace on Thee from sea to shining sea? The land is big, the land is free. Sand and surf, grass and tree, from sea to shining sea.
0: Fittingly, when Bob Dylan received a Lifetime Achievement Award at the 1991 Grammy Awards, it seems like 1991 really was several lifetimes ago. He had just finished playing a raging, riotous, in the words of presenter Jack Nicholson, version of Masters of War. There are the Buddy Hollies and Johnny Cashes of the world, and there's the Divine Master. And on the other side, there is such a thing as an evil master, the worst teacher of all. In what lifetime could what master, what father figure, what owner of culture be so corrupt, so hateful, and hurtful that Dylan could wish that master dead? That master the one he sings about right there, the master of war. Rebellion and Unity, Noise, and Harmony. Celebrate the history of music with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2020 inductions. Honoring Depeche Mode, the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, The Notorious Big, and T-Rex. Streaming November 7th on HBO Max. Head to pantheonpodcast.com survey. Fill out a very brief survey to be entered to win one of the collectible Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2020 posters, as well as the new Doobie Brothers Live Blu-ray set. That's PantheonPodcast.com slash survey. Yes, there's another side of Dylan's masters, another kind of warning. We live in an age of worshiped idols and knocking them down. Those statues of Civil War heroes down to the ground. Even a statue of Abraham Lincoln got pulled asunder in Portland recently. Status and statues, statues and status. When our sense of self becomes so identified with the master, we risk carrying So much about tradition that it gets static, it it freezes, it can blind us. Static, that's the enemy of reception, the enemy of ritual and routine. Watch the parking meters, you might be building an idol if you stay in that spot too long. Your status becomes your statue, and then you may as well be dead. Where do we learn the difference between good and evil? The good master and the bad one? Well, from the radio, of course, surely. Breaking through the static from those big stations back east that crackled into the childhood bedroom home of Bob Dylan in the Iron Range of Minnesota. From the road, music from the fantasy of the road. Keep moving, or at least imagine keeping moving, to break the status of static. But also... Freedom came from the bookshelf, cracking open a book to break the boredom from his teachers, from every kind of teacher. But what about school itself? What about the boredom and the static of school? What can you learn there? Well, we know every high school has a legendary English teacher, right? A dead poet society, light in the darkness for teens who open the door into, say, Moby Dick or... All quiet on the Western Front, or The Odyssey. Dylan's was Boniface B. J. Wolfson, and both of them knew just what had happened all those years ago in English class. Bob has a song with a gun on her side. He remembers that because he had that he had that phrase in class. I had a taught a I had a lecture.
1: Isn't there, the lyric in there is about the Midwest and yeah. what he learned in school.
0: Yes. here, you can smell the pine wood burning, you can hear the school bell ring, you're going to get up near the teacher if you want to learn anything.
1: All oh, the benches were stained,
0: with tears and perspiration, the buddies were flying from tree- As I step to the stage to pick up my degree You can smell the pine wood burning. You can hear the school bell ring. Gotta get up near the teacher if you can, if you want to learn anything. Yet higher education, or formal education at least, sounds a bit like a plague to Dylan. Once on behalf of Tel Aviv University, we wrote a letter to Dylan's team asking if he'd like to receive an honorary PhD. Well, his manager wrote back, Bob's not accepting degrees right now. Yes, that day at Princeton still holds some echoes. There are so many examples of school having done a student wrong. He's taught in school from the start by the rule that the laws are with him to protect his white skin, to keep up his hate so he never thinks straight, only a pawn in their game. A self-ordained professor's tongue, too serious to fool, spouted out that liberty is just equality in school, equality, I spoke the word as if a wedding vow. Ah, but I was so much older then. I'm younger than that now. My back pages. The false lessons of falsely framed histories in With God on Our Side, or the fakery taught to Little Miss Lonely in Like a Rolling Stone. It's not clear that parents did much better, Uh, Maybe more than all else, simply limited in what they can teach the child about the way that things are. Their blue-eyed son sees too much, tells his ma it's all right, he's only dying, and that his father, the one remembered alongside Jack Nicholson in the Masters of War at the Grammys, well, his father didn't know much, only (laughs) that he wrote Psalm 27, which reads, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Dylan, as always, refining and repackaging the traditions that he learns, taking them from the mouths of masters or putting them in the mouths of masters. Maybe his father really best understood as the Father, Señor, the good and kind and wise master, the persecuted master, the ever kind master who suffers in the garden for all of the students, this back and forth, this wandering, seeking out the North Star and then getting lost in the canyon. Some die for faith, some die for art, some die in plane crashes, and some die of old age. Allen Ginsberg we welcomed in Episode 1, Salvation. He's the one who drove off in his golf cart into a cemetery as Dylan mused on Salvation. He actually accompanied Dylan to Jack Kerouac's grave in 1975 during the off-and-on filming of Ronaldo and Clara. Mostly they talk about literary heroes and death. Turning pages, passing time, musing about tradition.
1: I used to haunt graveyards in Paris. <laughs> I went to see a Paulinier's grave. So, that's what's going to happen to you?
0: <laughs> no, I want to be in an unmarked grave. I, went, I laid a copy of Howell on Baudelaire's grave. So the pious woman um, washes Jesus's face. Simon, the and Jesus, his cross. Simon aids Jesus to carry his cross. Jesus meets his oh, very holy mother. Saint of has his clothes taken off, turned naked. falls for the third time. He souls, the daughters of Israel. We'll follow him. So what kind of student and what kind of teacher is Bob Dylan? In the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon writes, and furthermore, my son, be admonished of making many books. There is no end and much study is a weariness of the flesh of books about Bob Dylan, including the one we are writing. Well, there is no end either. We admit it, but something, something about wisdom, seeking it Something about working in and through the work of Dylan requires constant repetition the way tradition itself requires repetition. There is a joy in that immersion, that grand canyon of knowledge, the teacher and his or her work, what it represents, the North Star that they offer. Salvation
1: must be like after a while.
0: We think here of the basement tapes and Griel Marcus's surprising, informative investigation into what wisdom or message or cultural secret comes to take shape at Big Pink, and what it means that a whole republic is being taught a senior-level seminar in the secret history of the United States of America. Though never once is the syllabus stated. We don't read the Constitution aloud. We don't even mention that there's a Vietnam War just outside the door. The lessons are played in between the lines and in between the notes, but still, according to Marcus, a whole world of rules and conversations and wisdom is laid bare for those who listen. Great teachers are mysterious. They are playful and they are not pedantic. Their pedagogy is them. Some say, those who can't do, they teach. That's wrong. Rather, good teachers, they teach. Great teachers, they do. They draw students to want to sing or write like they do. They show, not tell. They teach by example with confidence that what they are saying is true. And in being present with a teacher grounded in truth, A student gets grounded in his or herself, which is grounding in something greater than oneself as well. The teacher's job is to hold the consciousness of the student like the Grand Canyon might. To be that North Star and then to step aside While the fiddler steps to the road.
1: Like
0: Where that wisdom explodes into something new.
1: Madonna, she still has in the
0: show. Tradition.
1: See this empty cage, the room. Reborn. But I came A fiddler now steps to the road. He writes everything in the church was On the back of a fish truck that blows While my conscience explodes oh, right. And nothing is a say And these visions of Jehanna
0: Next episode is going to be terminal, but we promise that it's not the end. Almost, but not quite. We'll be counting to 120 even though no one is counting, and we'll be holding our breath. Murder, temptation, resurrection, and the purpose of it all. Yes, it's Dylan and the Dead. Episode 7, and we hope it comes soon. Find us for show notes, song lists, writing, and more at mangodlaw.com or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you do your listening. Please do rate, subscribe, and share. It really helps our project grow. We're proud to be part of the Pantheon Podcasts Network. Visit PantheonPodcasts.com to tune in to the very best of rock and roll podcasts all in one place. I'm Stephen Daniel Arnoff, and this has been Episode 6 of Bob Dylan, about man and God and law. Thanks for coming, and see you soon.
1: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.